Greetings, friends and brethren in the Lord. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly great joy. I hope you have tuned into this broadcast. I hope you have been listening to these broadcasts because I have been teaching for quite a while on the epistle of 1 John, one of the most foundational and profound books of the Bible, especially in the New Testament. And that is not to negate the Gospels, which are Jesus' words to us, but uh, as far as writings, um, of course, we know Paul was a, an incredible master of uh, writing and God's word and truths to us in the book of Romans. But I dare say that First John ranks right up there with them. Last week, we started, um, we actually finished with verse 18. Chapter 4, verse 18, which says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to speak your truth. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come now. And I lift up the people, those who are listening to this broadcast, and I ask Holy Spirit, You are the great, great teacher. I ask you to unfold your great truths to your children. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to minister to them, to help them comprehend everything that you are saying, that you are trying to help them grasp these great meanings and truths that you have in your word. Father, I thank you. For those who are listening today, and I pray, Father, that this will be a great help to them. It will encourage them. It will strengthen their faith. It will help them to walk in alignment with the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we give you this broadcast today, and we just say, Holy Spirit, reveal your truth as best you can through your servant And I will do my best, Lord, to try to help bring understanding of your word to your people. In this I pray, amen and amen. Okay, starting in chapter 4, verse 20, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he's seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Good question. So this is one of those times for the spoonful of sugar, because when we say that we love God, but we hate our brother, we really are a liar. And, um, you know, you may not like to hear that. That may be hard for you to swallow, but unfortunately, it is the truth. So we can't say, we can't say that we hate our brother and love God at the same time. It just doesn't work. And then, you know, here's a brother whom we see, we see our brothers and sisters with our natural eye, and we say, oh goodness, we don't love them. Well, how in the world can we say that we love God? We haven't even seen God. But yet our brother or sister in the flesh, we say we don't love. 
So there's really something wrong with that um, saying if we if we believe that in our heart. So if you are an individual who has said that, I love God, but you know I really I really hate so and so. Um, then there is something awry with your belief system. Verse 21, in this commandment we have from him, from Christ, that he who loves God must love his brother or sister also. That's just how it is. It's a commandment from God that we must love our brothers and sisters. There's no getting around that. So let's go ahead and start chapter 5, verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot also, loves him who is begotten of him. Okay, so that's um, written kind of funny. But really what John is saying there is, if we believe that Jesus Christ was born of God, then we're going to believe the God who begot the Son, Jesus, right? In other words, John is really just saying, Jesus was begotten of the Father, and they are one, and if we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, then we're going to believe that he came from his heavenly Father. And if we love Jesus, then we love his Father. And it's that simple. Again, remember that John takes every opportunity to crush all the crazy heresies that were going on at the time, some of which said that Jesus um, was born of the Spirit, but then when he died on the cross, he, he was no longer a spirit. And um, just they, they, they came up with the craziest belief systems some of these heretical um, uh, ideas. Verse 2, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. Now I'd like to, tr- to turn to John 15, 10, because, see, this is, this is a critical statement. We know that we love the children of God. This is how we know we love our brothers and sisters, John is saying, when we love God and keep his commandments. So the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 10, Jesus says this, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in his love. Jesus has set the model. He's the role model. He is saying, look, I, Jesus, I've kept my Father's commandments, and I, Jesus, I have abided in his love. So therefore, you have to do the same thing. And he's saying, if you keep his commandments, you obviously are abiding in Jesus' love. So, we know that we love God when we keep his commandments. And let me tell you a story, because this really 
this will really put this into perspective, this specific scripture. There was a gal that I knew some time ago, and um, her husband was having an affair with another woman. So she knew it. And of course, you know, he made it clear he moved out and uh, got some apartment and was having this affair with this woman. So the wife was aware of it. And she said to me, she said, you know, I know he loves God. And I looked at her and I said, what? And she said, he really, really, my husband really, really loves God. And I said, wait, 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 wait. If your husband really loved God, he would not be in an adulterous affair. So you see, it's an oxymoron. You can't say you love God and be in an adulterous relationship because Jesus said, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. That's how I know that you love me because you want to keep my commandments. So you can't say, I love God, or you can't say about someone. In this case, the wife was speaking of her husband, who eventually went on to be her ex-husband. You can't say of that individual, I know that they really, really love God, when they are in blatant sin. Okay, verse, where are we? Verse 3. For this is the love of God. Now, John is defining the love of God. This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Okay, what is he saying there? First of all, turn, if you have your Bibles, I'm reading strictly out of the New King James Version today. Matthew 23 Verse 4, Jesus is speaking of the Pharisees. He's speaking about them. And this is what he says. He says, For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one, one of their fingers. Jesus is, you know, he, 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 He's very, um, he's very upset with the Pharisees because they're hypocritical. They say one thing and do another thing, and they put heavy burdens on, on people. Now, the Pharisees, they were the authoritative teachers of the Mosaic law, even though they failed to follow their own precepts. And these heavy burdens that they put on the people were the countless rules and regulations, which really reduced religion to a burdensome and a very confusing system of ritual observance. And this is how the people were kept in a perpetual bondage, because they had to do the, you know, follow all the rules. And I think there were like 513 rules in the one um, aspect of of the Torah. So very, very burdensome. And, and that's what Jesus says about them. They bind heavy burdens, very hard for people to bear. And yet, they didn't always follow their own rules and regulations. So they were hypocrites for sure. Now, 
Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 30, Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus is trying to explain his whole way of doing things is the opposite of the Pharisees. The Pharisees are heavy burdens, lots of rules, lots of regulations, and God forbid that you would break one of the rules and regulations. Jesus, on the other hand, says, hey, my ways are not burdensome. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So, hmm, if you turn with me to the Gospel of John 14, verse 15, this is what Jesus says. He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It's really that simple. It's that simple, people. If you love God, you will keep his commandments, and they're not burdensome to you. Amen? All right. Verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. In the Gospel of John, you can turn there to chapter 16, verse 33. This is what Jesus said. He says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So we look back at this scripture, verse 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. John is saying to you and I as believers in Christ that if we have been born of God, you know, so we are born again, we're born of God, we now have God's spirit living in us in us, then we have already overcome the world. It's a done deal. We don't have to try to overcome the world. Jesus already overcame the world for us. He says, I just read it to you in John 16, 33, because he says in the world, you, meaning you and I, Jesus is pointing his finger at you and I, he says, you are going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. In other words, be happy, happy. Don't get all stressed out and bent out of shape because he says, I, I, Jesus, have overcome the world. So we don't have to overcome anything because we are already overcomers. We have been born of God. Therefore, we have overcome the world through the work of of the cross, what Jesus did on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection gave us the victory over the world. Now, you might ask, what are you talking about when you say the world? Well, the Greek word for world is cosmos, and it's spelled K-O-S-M-O-S. Now, today, you know, we often speak of the cosmos. C-O-S-M-O-S. Same thing, cosmos. But today, when we talk about cosmos, we are often talking about 
the heavenly things, um, you know, the earth, the moon, the stars, the planets, uh, the galaxies, the Milky Way galaxy. We live in the Mil- Milky Way galaxy. So the cosmos in today's vernacular really kind of refers to everything out in space. But written at the time that this scripture was written, the word cosmos, the word world, is referring to, John is referring to a secular world. In other words, it's a world alienated from and opposed to God. So when I say the world, the word world, when I'm referring, when I um, maybe I'm discussing something and I speak about the world, the world, I'm talking about a secular world. I'm talking about a world, a culture that is alienated from and opposed to God. Now, that's the world we live in. That's the culture we live in. As believers in Christ, we live in the world a world that's alienated from and opposed to God, but we are not, the scriptures say, we are not of this world. We don't belong to this world because this natural, secular world is totally alienated from and opposed to God. And not only that, the world, this secular world, it's in the power of the evil one. It's in his power. He has rule over the world. Satan has rule over the world. And Adam and Eve gave it to him. Now, Jesus stripped him of his power and authority. But Jesus uh, didn't strip him of his rule over this world. One day Jesus will strip him of everything and he will be powerless and he will be he will be gone forever and ever. But until that happens, we are still living in this natural, natural secular world, which is alienated from and opposed to God. And if you don't believe it, just pay attention to the news. We are living in a time when people do not like the word God, they don't like the word Jesus. They don't want to hear anything about church, faith. Um, and if you bring up those words, they will curse you with really, really bad words. So we know, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, 2017, we are living in a world totally alienated from and opposed to God. So be it. But we don't have to fret because we have been born of God and whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. You see, excuse me, we use our faith. We walk by faith. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight, not by using the natural eye. Not by what we see with our natural vision. We walk by faith. And that is our victory. Okay, verse 5. Who is he 
who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, I like that. I really like that. You want to know who the person is that overcomes the world? It's the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And that, again, John emphasizes he is going to drive this home to the very end of this chapter. He is going to drive this point home. Jesus is the Son of God. And if you are one who has overcome the world, then you are one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You know, people in the faith of Islam believe in Jesus. They do. They believe in Jesus. That's what Islam teaches. They believe in Jesus. They believe he is a prophet. They do not believe he is the son of the living God. So there you have it. Uh, In reference to verse 5, let's turn to 1 Corinthians Paul writing to the church in Corinth, chapter 15, verse 57. And this is what Paul writes. He says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we know we just celebrated Easter and Passover and the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ is our victory. The death of Jesus on the cross, the blood shed gave us the victory, but even more so when he resurrected from the dead. So thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Our victory comes through Jesus Christ, and that victory has been paid, bought and paid for, for you and I. Hallelujah. I'm excited about that. Verse 6. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. Verse 7, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Verse 8, and there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. So let's kind of look at those scriptures, 6, 7, and 8, because there's a lot there. And um, we want to, um, you know, there is some theological uh you know, there's not always theological agreement about what this all means, but John's kind of telling us here, he says, look, there's three that, that bear witness together. They're, they're in heaven, and they are the Father, Father God, the Word. We know the Word is Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. They're one. They're three, and they're one. I know it's hard to wrap your brain around that, but it is. And then he says, guess what? On earth, there's also three that bear witness, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And they agree as one. So let's just look at the gospel of John, chapter 1. And um, let me turn there real quickly. And we're going to look at verses 31 through 34. John writes, 
um, he's talking about, um, this is uh, John speaking about Jesus. He says, I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. John speaking about his his own self. He says, and John bore witness saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove. And he remained upon him. John says, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen, John says, I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. So John, by his own declaration out of his own mouth, says, hey, I saw this spirit on earth. This spirit came from heaven. It came from the Father. It landed on Jesus, descended from heaven like a dove, and it remained on Jesus. And he says, "Um, uh, I've seen and testified. This is the Son of God. So John by his own witness, witnessed he heard the Father declare, this is my beloved Son. He heard the audible voice. He saw the Holy Spirit come, and he saw the Holy Spirit descend and land on Jesus. So he saw three. He saw the heavenly three. And um, let's just look at John 14, Gospel of John, chapter 14, and verse 17. Jesus, let's just go back for a second, look at verse 16. Jesus said, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, verse 17, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. He's talking about the future there. So in this, in the context of um, verse 8 of the three that bear witness on the earth, John was a witness of the three in heaven, but on the earth, the water probably refers to the baptism of Jesus, the water baptism of Jesus, where John was there in the Jordan River with Jesus. The blood Uh, refers to the crucifixion by which Christ completed his work. And the Holy Spirit testified concerning Christ at every point in his life. Every, for those three years of ministry, the Holy Spirit was also always testifying of Christ at every point. So on the earth, the three that bore witness, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, they also agreed as the three in heaven agreed, as one. Amen. Jesus, um, we just read uh, John fifteen twenty six. but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, see, sending, I'm sending the Holy Spirit from whom? The Father, this Holy Spirit, He's also the spirit of truth. And who does he come from? Jesus said he proceeds from the Father. And guess what? 
He's going to testify of me, Jesus says. So you see how they're all bearing witness of one another. That's how that whole thing is working. Each one is testifying of the other. And they all are in agreement. And they are all one. We are going to have to stop there. I really uh, hoped that I would get through chapter 5 today. But next week, we will conclude 1 John, the fifth chapter. And I want to, again, encourage you to read this epistle again. Start with chapter 1 of 1 John and read this epistle over and over until you get this in you, because this is good stuff. And I want to send you to the website, www.alllowercaseletterspureheart.today. And you can listen to these uh, podcasts over and over. Um, and uh, the prophetic word of the month for the month of May is not up yet, but it will be up in the next couple days. And the teaching for May and the um, word of encouragement for May will be up, as I said, in a couple days. I didn't get that um, prepared in enough time to get it up before May 1st. So with that, I um, look forward to being with you again next week. And I leave you with shalom, shalom. Peace be unto you.